Welcome to She Said Let's, where we chat the tricks and treats of the business of film and TV, shine a light on women who've empowered us, and dish on plot twists in our life we just had to say. Let's too. In today's episode, we will be learning the many things a PA on set does. Chat the differences between the LA and New York City film scene. Find out what kind of ship we would run as the leader of our own Star Trek mission. And decide which characters we are from the other two in I'm a blank. I am Kay. And I am Hannah. And today we have a very special guest, writer, past PA extraordinaire, and current showrunner's assistant, Francis Foster. So I met Francis through a program through J-H-R-T-S. And yes, I did have to look up that abbreviation. I still could not tell you what it means. Junior Hollywood something, yeah. something. Um, but which was a writer's group that they put together for the junior something, something, something. Um, and we had several people in our group that ended up dropping out. And it was just me, Francis, and two others that made it through and actually really connected and it's not often that you get all great writers in a group that's put together like that, like we were. And so when Francis ended up moving from New York City to L.A., we finally met in person. And here we are now, you know. Yay! Yeah, that's all true. I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm not lying about any of this. So, Fran, because PAs are often the unsung heroes of any production... And you have a comedy script about being a forever PA, which I am so glad that you no longer are. Um, can you tell us a bit more about what you did as one? Sure. Yeah, I was a PA for like four plus years uh, between New York and L.A. Um, I was I started out as an art PA in the art department. And then I went I kind of stuck around in the art department because the art department is probably one of the best departments you can find yourself in in film. They are the most creative. I mean, writers are really fucking creative, but can we curse on this? Of yeah, course. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they are the most creative. They know their shit. They're experts, and they're, they love their food, which was the hard part. Is like they, you do not want to mess up an art department's order. Um, and it really feels like a little family, and it's, I just thrive there, so I stayed in art PA for as long as I could. Um, didn't I was in my twen late 20s when I started working in film so I was like I'm not gonna be a set PA I'm too old for that shit and um yeah so I liked the art department the most so that's where I stuck around the most basically uh in like there's a set PA right which is what people kind of have the idea of what a PA is and that's true like the set PAs probably have one of the hardest jobs because they're on set dealing with anything and everything that gets thrown at them um so an art PA deals with the art department because in film there are a bunch of different departments that you know come into play when making a tv show or a feature there's an art department there's props there's production there's costumes there's hair and makeup um i'm leaving something else out but there's a couple other ones but these are like the main ones and they're not necessarily on set so a lot of the times the, uh, the art department is like shares the building with production and um yeah so basically it was my job to like uh take care of crafty for the art department take care of lunch orders for the art department and and the art department involves like a production designer uh art director a um art coordinator and uh sometimes assistant art directors who help basically deal with like the blueprints and architecture of sets 
place, you know, that all has to get pre-made before it goes, like, um, it gets dressed and it, it, come, it gets built out. So, yeah, basically um, still dealing with lunch for the art department, um, but also uh, the fun things that I had to do were, like, help the production designer make, uh, like, vision boards, kind of, not vision boards, but, like, uh, yeah, kind of vision boards for what the set was going to look like or what, like, if it was a bedroom, what the feel of the room was going to look like and doing research, too, if it was a period piece, you kind of had to, like, you wanted to get a logo right for, let's say, Amtrak back in the 1970s or something like that. So you got fun tasks like that, um, which I really loved. And some, and a lot of, <laughs> this is uh, the art PA's base, like most popular. Popular. It's like the the biggest task, I guess, is like cutting out um, art or like if something gets printed from the plotter or the printer. Your job is to like take an exacto blade and cut it out perfectly so that it could get framed. Or, um, yeah, basically that was a lot of what I had to do, which is kind of relaxing. Cause there's I was going to say, I feel like you would love that. I, <laughs> it's very, I, like, OCD, it's too. super, kind of, yes. Know? And it's, it would be, like, kind of like a badge of, ar of armor or, like, a badge if you cut yourself and you had to get a medic up because you cut yourself with an exacto blade. So oh. it's like a badge of armor. Like, oh, I did it. But you tried not to. I've never cut myself. Oh. Um, knock on wood. I still like to use exacto blades but um that was a lot like that was very relaxing fun task to do is get stuff printed at the right size on the right paper in the right format and then cut it out and then have it sent to set to to set and then also like labeling everything right because you have multiple sets to send arts art to so that was like the fun specific of it that i really enjoyed so yeah okay okay and then what are some things that people would be surprised by that PAs do and can you give us some examples like the, mo the more ridiculous the better one time well PAs pretty much have to do anything and everything that's thrown at them one time I basically did the job of a teamster um so I had to drive for like six hours to get a very big piece a prop piece to that was going to shoot the next day which I did not get paid the rate of a teamster but that also happens um that's it's it's basically you're like the last if something desperate that's unusual the, the unusual thing is like if something out of desperation happens you're the one who's the first to get called to that task um i think one of the most unusual things i did which i loved because sometimes we would have our dogs in the office and my art director's dog got to be in one of the scenes for something and i'm not going to say what it is because people might be like, that's effed up. And I honestly enjoyed it. Um, was I, her dog was in the, he was in the shoot for the day. So, so I had to take him to set and babysit him and basically be like, oh, I am this dog's manager for the day. Cause he, I'm waiting for him to wrap up. And that was my whole day just being on set with a dog until I could drive him back to his, the art director. And she was like, I'm so sorry you had to do it. It was so long. I was like, yeah, that's fine. I just, you know, did work on my computer, but, um, but yeah, I basically waited on a dog until they were done. And it was a long shoot day because it was just a long shoot day. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and you never know what the dog's going to do. You know, the dog I mean? did great. Oh. It was not him. It was everybody. Else. <laughs> the dog did great. The dog, oh God, the dog was performance. And the dog Star even. The show. Yes. And she, he even got stepped on during set and didn't win. So I saw that and I was like, that's a pro. Oh, oh my God. It was an accident, but pro. Yeah. Pro. <gasps> Well, we talked a little bit about how you live in L.A. now after being in New York City basically your whole life. Your whole life, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, can you tell us what are the biggest differences you felt in the film scene there versus here? I know a lot of people say like the differences between the city and like living in the city, but I think there is something to how people do business yeah. even within the same kind of industry in like two different places, you know? For sure. There's a huge difference um, from my perspective. First off, uh, in New York, uh, the production rents a car for everyone working there, like uh, even PAs, we get our cars rented. Um, we don't necessarily get to take them home every time, but chances are um, your art director has a car that's rented or production designer has a car that's rented. So if nobody else needs your PA car, you take it home and that's fine. Um, so they rent the cars for you there, which is great. Um, here, you have to have a car, which was a shock to me. <laughs> I mean, I drive, I was just like, I didn't want to ever own a car. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah it's just another added expense on top right. of like you know living. possibly on top of all living of the other LA. expenses of living in a huge city mm -hmm. exactly um so that's one main thing that i noticed um uh from another uh, pa perspective we could um get our food uh delivered to us in new york here you have to go get it like i've never been in a situation where production would would, would say cool, yeah, get it delivered. It's absolutely no, that's why we hired you because you have the car to go pick it up. Whereas in New York, it's like, okay, you can go pick it up, but it's also a city and it isn't convenient to drive five minutes and whatever. It's easier to just have it delivered and the cost is like so much, so minimal in comparison with, and you don't really tip as much. They're stingy about that, but still you could, there was a budget to have it delivered, which made my life a lot easier. And I could focus on like, more office tasks and like especially with the art department art stuff so i well and i can imagine there's nowhere to fucking park like uh -huh. the parking even to park to pick up the food would oh, be just as much as like think of that yeah, yeah. there's like nowhere to park uh, I, I can remember because there were some places this was also back in 2018 there were some places that didn't do delivery and I would, I remember crying in the car and driving me like, I can't buy parking. Like one spot would open up and I would try and get it. Somebody else would get it. And I was crying because oh. I needed to get lunch delivered on time. But I mean, I've never really had a terrible snafu at lunch. Uh, I've had some hiccups, but like nothing, nobody's really yelled at me or anything like that. But it especially feels important because it's like, okay, uh, there could be meal penalties. So like, mm -hmm. what the fuck? Just right. Like get it delivered. Right. You know, yeah. that would That's just make the most sense, too. And if if the productions would just, again, budget it out mm -hmm. properly to where you could like get a company Postmates account. Yeah. Not yeah. that hard. Yeah. Not that yeah. hard. There Seriously. are solutions to everything. It's and everybody can do their own thing. Put their own order in yeah. one of those group orders yeah. or whatever. The yeah, hell. absolutely. You just yeah. double check it and deliver it. Um, but, yeah. And also in New York, we would do uh, Peapod, which is like, oh, what's the equivalent of that? Oh, we used to have that in Chicago, I feel like. Oh, OK. Too. So yeah. like peep, like they would deliver crafty food like you would do the order online and then they deliver the food. And here it's like you have to go to the supermarket and get it and bring it back. So it's just a lot more it feels a little bit more traditional out here of what paying like uh what old school hollywood in new york is just like okay well it's a crowded city and it's busy and time is precious and this only costs cents more so let's do it this way well that's all the different that's also the differences between new yorkers and angelinos <sighs> because <laughs> it, i know i know i know it's a very <laughs> it's a very interesting topic but at, i mean 
well, I you're Midwest. I'm between Midwest and East Coast, and you're East Coast. Yeah. We've grown up with that mentality of like the people of New York, whereas everyone out here is very like they're more chill. Everyone's walking within. slow. They're <laughs> driving slow. They're talking slow. I'm like, what the fuck? Would you have all day? What but are you that doing? also that goes into play within the film industry because they just go off of whatever was working in the past, whereas New York is a little bit more modernized. And that's the reason why I like New York and people from New York so much because you just get shit done. You do it efficiently and quickly. Mm -hmm. (sighs) I hate wasting time. There's nothing that I hate more. Now that you're a showrunner's assistant, can you tell us what on earth you do as one? I assist the showrunner, period. (laughs) but what about for the listeners that are unaware yeah no i'm just (laughs) yes so um it's like saying what's cobblestone it's stone that is cobble no obviously um yeah uh basically a showrunner's assistant so i i did just recently become a showrunner's assistant got out of being a pa after so many years thank god yep um and uh basically it's a lot of like making sure the showrunner can function in their day-to-day and a lot of calendar management and scheduling meetings because they're super busy. And basically a showrunner is somebody who runs the show, Mm -hmm. uh, meaning that they're probably the head writer, they're managing the writer's room. Uh, During production, they're making sure everything runs as it should and what gets shot should get shot and that the script is, uh, everything that happens in the script happens as it gets shot. So they have to run the show from pre-production to post-production. Um, it's a very big task. And so assisting a showrunner, you just have to like make sure they meet all their meetings because there's a lot of meetings that happen in post. There's a lot of meetings that happen during production and pre-production. And also they might be pitching other shows that they are writing or that they might be working on um, during the time. So you're also just really man- managing their calendar. Um, you're also giving notes or, or on anything if they want your if they want your input on any of their work that they have um or that they're writing and then also the b- other big thing is just note taking during during calls and meetings um just so that they have that for their records and they can look back at that and most of the times you you want to be ahead of the game for them um and all it, it's great when you have a really good relationship with them cuz you by nature want to take care of them you want it's like of course I want to make your life easier. You make my life so easy. Like, I love working for you. So um, that relationship is uh, a good one to garner as an assistant or as a show, showrunner's assistant. But, yeah, it's, I, I've kept in mind, especially being a PA, of things I will never, ever ask an assistant to, to do and um, things I will never – and also, like, people I will never tolerate if I ran a show, if, if they're going to treat a support staff a certain way. So it's, like, always in the back of my head. And I think they're – there's a benefit from being an assistant for a while and just so that you know what you want when you're in that position and what you would never want for somebody else who's like not in that position. Because you have so much experience on the back end of things as a PA and as an assistant, that's only going to help you in the long run. Yeah, I really hope I stay humble. And that, that, <laughs> goes, that goes for any of the listeners too. <laughs> you will. Stop you're it. Gonna, yeah, you're going to stay humble. Well, we'll make sure of it. Okay, thank you. I, I don't know if I will make sure of it. I'm, I'm a little bit on the other side I'll of be that. Your voice thank of you, reason. Hannah. I, yeah. I like to say that I will be anybody's asshole coach if they want to hire me to be like, hey, you're being an asshole. 
I'll be that person and I would always hire an asshole coach to like point me call me out when I'm being an asshole I'll be like shit I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> you would know I feel like you're so nice I know but sometimes I feel like when you the closer you get to the top the more you just like lose touch well and it's just like you know we could go on about this forever but sometimes it's just like you have so much to do that it's like hard to not be an asshole so I feel like it gives some of those people grace a lot of the time sure. about yeah. like you just have a lot to do so really if you can't be that cordial while you're telling me something like maybe if it comes off a certain way way you probably didn't mean it you're just so busy you just have to say it that way really quickly yeah you know what I mean like that kind of stuff not like oh I'm gonna ruin this whole kid's life no there's you know I think it's different when it's nefarious but there is some I will say from my experience having worked under showrunners who have been under extreme pressure and had shown grace still I'm like that is something I aspire to because that changes lives at the end of the day like when you are if you're a new PA and a showrunner is so stressed out but they are showing grace it's like wow I will never forget that yeah so that's true kindness goes a long Mm -hmm. way yeah yeah well speaking of kindness (laughs) um the question that this whole podcast is based around is what was something you were scared of doing that you said let's do because a woman empowered you to do so and who was that person I mean, I moved across the country to work on Gordita Chronicles because uh, I got a woman said, I will hire you if you move across the country. And I did. So um, that's a big thing. Um, but if I had to think about it, my first showrunner, she she kind of like she encouraged me to submit to. Uh, like a associate animation writing position that I did not get. But I did it because she encouraged me to do it. And uh, at the time I was working as a showrunner's assistant, I was like, I don't want to not, I like my job. I was like, I don't want to leave my showrunner, you know, in the dark. And she's like, no, 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 that's not what this is. This is an opportunity and you're a good writer. I read your stuff. You should do it. And she's, and she was like, I would, if you got it, I would, uh, and I was your showrunner, I would be nothing but happy for you. And I know your showrunner would also be happy for you. So. In a situation where I felt very blessed and lucky to have the job that I had, I was encouraged to go for more. And I don't think I would have submitted to that. And I did get an interview. So I met people yeah. and they kept me in mind for might keep me in mind for future things, which is great. But I didn't get it ultimately. But still, I'm looking back at that. I was like, I would not have submitted if she didn't say you better fucking submit to this or I will I will hold this over your head out of love. Um, so, yeah, that's that's something I think about. Yeah, and who was that person? Um, is Bridget Munoz Leibowitz. Um, she is was like my first showrunner out here, and she's an absolute angel, and I love her so much. <laughs> she's she's that she's like the showrunner who I was talking about, who was under so much stress, and I've never ever 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 seen her show anything but kindness to people, and she I aspire to be like her. So yeah. And we are back with I'm a Blank, where we choose a movie or TV show and decide what character we are and the backstory of why. This week, we will be doing the hilarious HBO comedy. No, I will never be calling it a Max comedy. Let's just get that straight, okay? It is still HBO to me, and it will forever be HBO. I have to say, before we go on further, (laughs) I'm really angry that HBO changed their name to Max 
it's very triggering, one. And two, disgusting. You should never trust someone named Max. So why would you do that, HBO? Good point. Also, I think of Max and Easta. That's the only... Like <gasps> TJ Maxx? Mm-hmm. That's the only Max I will which, associate. Which yeah. means cheap a little bit in my end. So, well. But I do... But I, <laughs> <laughs> I both, do. Of us, both of us are just like... I've shopped there a lot. <laughs> I mean, I do... I TJ Maxx. I don't want to rag on it too much, products. but I'm just saying HBO used to be the prestige brand, right? The one that like... I could... We never afforded HBO. We never had HBO. No, not growing up. Yeah, uh-uh. no, no. I did so, not watch The Sopranos. No, no me neither. Me neither. Not no, until recently. I didn't have any of that shit. So I'm just saying if they want to be prestige, then maybe they should have a different name. But anyways. Should have just stuck with HBO. This yep. is anyway. The <laughs> HBO comedy, the other two. Okay. Brought to life by two past SNL writers, Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider. So when Chase Dreams, a Justin Bieber type, blows up his two older siblings try and use his stardom to push their own dreams over the finish line so francis we know you worked as a pa (laughs) on the other two so which of these characters would you be and why uh great question also great show haven't seen season three Oh my god! I'm waiting to watch it with some friends, but uh, yeah, that worked on the show with you. No, 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 just oh. friends who are trying to catch up because they never saw it and they recently started watching it. So, oh shit! Yeah. So I'm waiting to watch it with them. But I mean, it's a great, funny, sh- it's just such a funny show. Quippy, very yeah. quick, exactly. very quick. It's a good way quick to comedy. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So if I had to pick, I would be. Uh, I think I'm more of a Streeter. Peters type. Oh, oh I my love God! This what? Okay, I yeah. need to hear this. Streeter Peters. Um, I don't know. He is just genuinely a person who cares, and he—I mean—he's very empathetic, and I feel like he's always trying to problem solve. It might not be a great. It's probably not a good solution. <laughs> I was gonna say, which uh, is mean, which is fair. Like I might not find the best solution. It might be a terrible solution, but it is a solution, and I am solution oriented, and I lead with. Uh, my heart a lot and I think that's where he, he what he does too and I just I also think he has uh, that's probably one of the for me the funniest characters um, on, on on the show and every time a line comes out of his mouth I, I laugh so much like there I think there was a Jesus the cult episode oh yeah I know what you're talking about I, that was <laughs> so funny <laughs> I won that one oh my God. Shooting for that was hard because it was windy and it was on top of the so it wasn't Soho House. It was in um, I forgot the place, but it was like a hotel in Brooklyn. But um, but and then also he's just so his lines are so funny. And then his act, the actor is great. And he's just written. It's just if I were to write his character, it's just an easy character to like insert in every situation for comic relief in a, in the most un- unique way. Like it's not like a typical comic relief. So I really enjoy Streeter Peters and I feel like, yeah, that would be me. I love that answer because as soon as he came on the screen, whenever I started watching it, I was like, who is this guy? And then I just fell more in love with him as Had the you never seen the actor on. before? Huh? Had you never seen that actor before? Well, no, I just mean the character. Oh, oh He's okay. so yeah. outlandish in the best way. And in season one, there was an episode on the plane where Chase Dreams was like doing that live stream on a plane. Yep. And he's just standing there holding a pig. Yeah. <laughs> like saying the most outlandish things. And I'm like, this is, I like you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is wild. I feel like I've read so many other two specs 
of my friends for like fellowship <laughs> season that sometimes I forget if those were actual episodes or not. So I just thought of a thing that actually I realized, oh, my friend actually just wrote that. I oh, that wasn't yep. actually on the show. OK, yep. <laughs> because, you know, people write good specs. They do, so they you just never know. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I am Brooke. <laughs> uh, accurate. <laughs> yes. So for any listeners who have heard the episode, it's our month. Uh, We do a She's a Bitch where we defend several female characters. And I've defended this bad bitch before. So the way that I can describe her in one word is tricky. I feel like she's very tricky to get. Like at first glance. Like when you first meet her... I didn't really like her, of course. I was kind of like, eh, you're kind of annoying. And you just seem like you're trying to, like, ride the coattails of your brother and, like, not really do any work or whatever the fuck it is, which, you know, is a very relatable thing in L.A., I feel like, with all the famous kids and shit here. But I will say that I see more of Brooke in my 20-something-year-old self than in, like, my 30-something-year-old self. I think I felt like a little bit lost in my 20s as far as like, what am I doing? I knew that I liked like a lot of creative things, but I felt the most comfortable when it came to business because that's what I went to school for. I grew up in the Midwest. That's what you were like supposed to do. And so I felt like creative things felt silly and like something that I should like make fun of. You know, anybody who was like trying to do something that was like their dream. I was like, haha, okay, you do that. You know, (laughs) I mean, I, I was, I get that my parents are that way. I was a paralegal for a while before I, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh my God. So I tried, you know, to be in the music industry for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then I went to beauty and like the makeup industry for a little while. And I would feel like I was just like flailing about like trying to figure out like where I fit. Um, And I'm not saying that I wasn't good at either of those things because I was. (laughs) Um, But I think what always kind of like drew me back to marketing and sales and management sectors in general was that if you could read people then you could figure out their needs and how to make them feel good about you providing what they might have actually wanted in the first place and not actually known that they wanted. Like it was like a very psychological weird thing that I was like, well, I can really read people and I can, you know, figure something out and that feels good to be able to then like Mm -hmm. win in a way by like selling them something or marketing something to them or like fulfilling something that they needed. Whereas like in creative stuff, not everybody, it's like much harder to figure out because what somebody else needs might not be what I can provide a lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, which then doesn't feel good, obviously. That's okay, though, because <laughs> but in this, in, I think in, in this industry for writers, it's like you want to do what reflects you the most, not what somebody, yeah. you know, needs unless you know it's been talked about before right but when you're in your 20s you might not realize that yeah you know what I mean like you're more so like no I just need to be who everybody else like wants me to be basically but Brooke is really excellent at that exact same thing um even though in season three she starts to feel bad about this oh okay I haven't seen season (laughs) it's not gonna be it's not gonna be too many spoilers um, but I always wanted to help people, but I think I kind of felt, like I said, like embarrassed that instead of, I actually wanted to be a child psychologist for a while, 
But then I was like, oh, I'll just choose to help people through art, which feels like <laughs> kind of like a cop out, I guess. Mm. Not necessarily. I don't think that's a cop out. So, yes, I've definitely noticed myself downplaying um, the impact of any of that. And I won't say that I had as hot of a boyfriend as Lance <laughs> in my past because he is fine as a motherfucker. Yeah, he's hot. <laughs> but I definitely have had some awesome guys like in my 20s that I self-sabotaged the entire relationship Ooh. by making it about myself, not being good enough, not even for the other person, but for myself. Because I would be like, well, I know you love me and you think that I'm amazing, but I I think I could be better. So you're an idiot for thinking that kind of thing. I was literally just about to be like, no, 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 you were you were in the right there. And then you were like, but you were the idiot. And I was like, I can't say that. I can't say that. I can't say that. Gaslight them. But um, the actor who plays Lance, you know, I'm I'm a changed woman now. So <laughs> if you want to hit me up, I, I think he's married. A, I'm with available. Well, if you get divorced, <laughs> <laughs> you, she's right. I don't here. know what your relationship is like. It yeah. could be open. We're in LA. Her Instagram um, is K Broach <laughs> K A Y B R O C H. Slide into my DMs. Um, but I was going to say, I also really wanted to like die when I broke up with people. And I feel like Brooke is very dramatic when she like has a breakup, like so dramatic, even though she acted like she didn't even like the person in the first place, which is exactly how I am. Um, but lastly, she also takes care of everyone in her family um, and makes sure that the best version of them, like as a unit, is put forward. Mm -hmm. um, she wants to manage because she feels out of control of her own life. So if she can organize someone else's and bring other people's career up, it shows she's productive and like a star in her own way. And sometimes I feel like I help other people so much and I'm like very hard on them. And then I like cannot do that for myself. That's a good point, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Hannah, who the fuck are you? All right. Well, you can't yell at me because we're back to Hannah choosing two people this week. Okay, Woo! but I can't pick just one. Okay, but also uh, one thing on this is I was listening to Last Call Turistas earlier, and they were talking about how if they were certain people in a reality show, and then they said, I think that my son is this person in my rising is this person oh and so i was like oh my god it reminds Wait, me of oh my god. picking multiple people oh. because it could be like you're truly this one but also your personality uh, this is your son and your rising yeah. hannah okay See so my, my son is pat Aww. and my rising is brooke oh so i'm gonna start with brooke because that's what i wrote down first okay. but for brooke and a lot of this is it's only the first season because mm. that's all I got through so far. So I think in the beginning season or season one where she's trying to figure out who she is and chase her dreams is like what I relate to the most. She's ambitious. She's fun loving. Like she really loves a good time. And anybody who knows me knows I love a good time. Um, and she's just continually pushing to put herself out there specifically in the episode um, where Chase was doing his like music video. And then she gets all in this one dancer's face because oh, yeah. she like grew up with her and then she ends up being in the music video and she's just pumped about it because she kills it like go off she's also a helper through and through like you said she's constantly wants to push everyone else around her to do better and be better versions of themselves and essentially tell them let's and I feel like I have always been that way where 
it, like sometimes to a fault because I love seeing the people around me succeed so much and you can really tell that her character cares and has so much love to give but she also doesn't pour all of that into herself so she has all of that to give but she also needs to focus on putting more of that energy into herself rather than everyone else around her and making sure everyone around her is okay so I feel like I relate to that now for Pat (laughs) the son the amount of love I have not only for this character but Molly Shannon as a whole yeah because it just seems like she is being superstar all over again as a mom (laughs) and that brings me so much joy she also has a lot of similarities to my actual mother which just makes me realize that her and I are much more alike than I think we are I love that realization. Yeah. So Pat, <laughs> Pat is very passionate and also slightly delusional. Um, slightly. Oh, slightly this is pretty, pretty is, catchy. Slightly is very, it's a loose term. Yeah. yeah. Um, say, oh. And everyone that is close to me knows that my Delulu has just been kind of going <laughs> crazy lately. Oh, um, I, I'm, I'm the one usually to point it out. Every <laughs> time. Does either, that make sense? It, well, there, there are four people who I reach out to for advice at all times. Kay is number one. And then I reach out to my friend. I'll tell you how it is. And then I talk to my friend Kate. Usually her boyfriend will chime in. So Kate and David, they are one unit. So that's two. (laughs) One unit. They are one unit because I'll FaceTime Kate. This is why I'm single. (laughs) I don't ever want to become one unit with someone. I will never be. (laughs) They're not even going to be mad at me for saying that either (laughs) because they know they're one unit at this point. Um, And then I call my friend Jake just to get a male's perspective. And then I usually call Mariah, who's my roommate. Carrie? Slash oh. chi- I wish I could call Mariah. Seriously. <laughs> Put her on she speed would be dial. Like, <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> like that. I would just have her sing Always Be My Baby to oh. me. And then that would calm me down. Yeah. But she's very delusional. I love that about her. Mm. Um, and I also relate to that. And I also, this is another one that has a lot of love to give and a lot of healing and pain to work through that she just doesn't really know how to work through it. So seeing her navigate that while also trying to be there for her kids and just be like the number one mom with the biggest sunshiny attitude is like, she's so happy at all points in time until she breaks. And whenever she breaks, she breaks. She is a strong character but she's gonna evolve so much more once you no see spoilers no spoilers once you see the other seasons <laughs> she's totally different each season i feel still very strong with a lot of trauma i think it's interesting because i think molly shannon sorry to go off on a tangent but like she has a lot of trauma too uh, mm-hmm. in her personal Most life comedians do right yeah of course but it's it's i don't know she's a great actress she's oh, she's she's fantastic yeah. and that scene where she did molly at the um at one, I think it was Chase's birthday oh, yeah. party. <laughs> and she just goes up and she's like, don't be mad. <laughs> I took Molly. And then she just starts counting out the nuts and she goes back to Justin Thoreau's place where they're staying and yeah. she's just feet up, vibing. I'm like, I, yep, yep, that was me at Coachella in 2018. <laughs> so I get it, sister. Sister. Mm. We are back with one of my favorite segments because I love to spin a good tale apparently i don't know what i love um it's called how How did did we we get get here we're going to be taking a scenario occupation and inciting i feel like every single time i read that i want to say enticing inciting incident 
etc. from a TV show or a film and imagine what it would be like if we were the characters. So Star Trek Yay. is a longtime TV and film franchise that has been around since the 60s, Correct. which means that my parents grew up with it yeah. and every generation has since. And it's still around in present day with Star Trek card which i think just ended recently yep. maybe this year and strange new worlds um all you can watch on paramount plus yep yep, yep and yep. every iteration of this is about the voyages of a crew in space that had a captain in hopes of exploring new worlds and finding new civilizations good job Kay. <laughs> she does her research I she know. does her do you I, watch I, star trek i mean i did when i was little wait really yeah i didn't know that yeah, my we stepdad was my it. stepdad was like a big nerd. I uh. was like read all the Lord of the Rings and all sorts of shit. But anyways, back to Ooh. this. Okay, so Francis. Yes. Kay, I feel like everyone here can already tell, but Kay had told me that you were a big Trekkie. So you are me? Oh, you? Me? You? Do you I what? look you? like a Trekkie? <laughs> you. No. What? So you are all too familiar with the formula of the mm. show. So, if you were the captain of this vessel, what would your hypothetical crew be like? And Ooh. what would the voyage you were going on be about? Who would come along and cause conflict in your journey? Oh, wow. This is a tough one. This is basically asking me to pitch my 100%. for a Star Trek. Yeah, um, cool. that's what we're doing here. I would probably lean towards the older Trek. So like uh, uh, Next Generation with um, Patrick Stewart, uh, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Like Those were my core... Uh, Star Trek shows um, but I think if I had to think about this which it's funny because I never think I'm good enough to write a Star Trek spec okay no, no 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 we're I'm gonna <laughs> stop that thought right now it's just I love it so much and I I think a lot of there's been a lot of disservice for a lot of it um, so I would never want to be also a part of that but if i if i had to think this is just hypothetical it's, it for is hypothetical. it's for funsies you're the captain anyways you, yeah you're you know i always identified ship. as captain so well look at this valid we have to refer to francis as captain the rest of the episode Ooh, no don't do that <laughs> <laughs> no no there's too much power no <laughs> yes captain <laughs> you said you were supposed to keep her humble what are you doing <laughs> thank you Kay. We I would are, love to call we it are fire, fire. No, We are <laughs> keeping her humble. This is helping. This is. Mm -hmm. It is because I have to think on the spot. Um, so I think I would. Some of my favorite episodes of Star Trek are like bottle episodes. They like are on the ship. You don't really go to um, a planet, which I love. All, all so many of episodes, but um, I do love a good bottle episode when something goes awry on the ship, or there's some alien species that sneaks its way onto the ship, or something like that. And then the crew starts acting weird. And then you kind of have to figure out who's the source, and then if who who did it infect first, and like where did it come from? What's its cause? And there's always like a cause and a valid reason and so some people are going to be sick not necessarily sick but like they're they're they could be taken over or, or by oh. you know and and be manipulated by an alien species for a cause unbeknownst to everybody on the ship um so i think i would do something like that an episode where um something the crew starts acting weird or something starts going wrong on the ship and they kind of have to figure out what is going uh wrong um who's the one who gets who gets infected that's a good think? that's a good question um yeah i think i think the sh something going wrong with the ship is interesting um or something going wrong 
with the person who's uh, most collected. So if I had to think, mm-hmm. like a Vulcan is most collected, or or like the cyborg, cyborg or the what was Data? Data was a yeah. I think he's like a cyb. No, he was just like an animatronic. What's the word I'm trying to think of? Like a, like a robot? robot? He was a robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have both of us. As soon as you said animatronic, I was like, huh, <laughs> I think I know where she's going. This is why I'm not a Trekkie. I don't know. The data is an acronym, and I don't know what it is. Something with the most collected person, or like, I think uh, it's fun seeing them kind of unravel or being unspe- suspicious, like they do it in a weird way. Uh, so that uh, might be where that's also a cheaper to shoot a bottle episode. So yeah, mm. <laughs> are you thinking of the production? I yeah, see. Yeah, this is you okay. look at hire you. me. <laughs> <laughs> hire me, Star Trek. Not me. Her. Not the new one, but yeah. <laughs> well, we can't be choosy in today's day. <laughs> you in know what in I'm this saying? economy, <laughs> you gotta you better take what you. We're can striking. Get. Well, yeah, yeah. Know, right now, it's done. Right now. Everyone is striking. So mm-hmm. yeah. once once the strike is completed, Star Trek and, Prodigy, and the yeah. writers get what they're asking for. Yes. Well, yes. Hannah, what about you? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. Now I do want to start off by saying I am sorry because I truly, just as a person, I could never get into Star Trek or Star Wars growing up, and That's that has fair. just continued into my adulthood. <sighs> However, a bitch loves a good mission. Yeah. So we will start there. And to start, my crew would be made up of Snoop Dogg, Ooh. Rihanna, <laughs> Seth Rogen, Miley Cyrus, and myself, oh. a.k.a. my dream blunt rotation. Wow. Wow. You're just getting high in the yeah. air the whole time. No, 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 no. So the altitude's not going to get you. No. If you... If you <laughs> The altitude. There's no altitude in space. You. I know that. I'm so sorry. I'm not a drinky. <gasps> you can get more high in space. This changes things. This changes things. Okay. So now if you listen to our episode four with our guest, Tony Sarandos, the amazing Tony, you have heard about the lizard people. So our mission will be to take down the lizard people that are taking over the world and ruining civilization as we know it. That is in quotation marks. If you're not watching the video. So since this would contain a lot of funny people who smoke a lot of weed, this would obviously be more of like a stoner comedy mm. standpoint. The opening scene would start on our ship. Smoke that looks like fog fills the cabin of the ship and the camera would pull through in a dramatic way while only time by Enya plays softly in the background. <laughs> cut, cut to all of the crew in a blunt circle trying to determine how we can take down the lizard people on Earth. We've already taken down the lizard people within other galaxies. So like this is the end. Kind of. Um, sh- don't call me out. <laughs> they they have caught oh. on to us. Um, so we can't go about it the same way we previously have. What no one knows is that the lizard people really love karaoke. So ultimately, we challenge the lizard people to of Earth to a sing off. It all ends with us wrapping my band by D12, like my crew, so hard that the lizard people's heads blow up. And we take off in our ship onto the next mission. Nice. And that would be my episode. Nice. I could tell you read mine before you wrote yours. That sounds like a Star <laughs> did, Trek. What did you put? Lower deck. Like the exact same episode. thing. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read yours at all. I was just fucking typing really? away. I'm like, well, in different sets. In in my own personal. This, that's hilarious, you know? though. This is good. You probably could 
really right for Star Trek Lower Decks. That's the vibe. Uh, the, is that what is that what Lower Decks is it's, all about? It's like a it's more of a cartoony vibe uh, and more like that. Yeah, I've only oh. seen like a few of the episodes, but that's the vibe. Yeah, <gasps> I forgot oh, that there was an animated one. There's two animated. So there's Star Trek Lower Decks, which is more for the adults, and there's Star Trek Prodigy on Nickelodeon, which is more for kids. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> the first thing that I must change is these goddamn outfits that they wear. <gasps> okay. I'm not here for the outfits. Oh my god, why? Everyone in this ship would be wearing matching Savage Fenty. Oh god. Sets such as I am wearing currently. That's basically oh, Star wait. Trek. It's they're all wearing matching to some Yeah, but they're not fashionable. Oh my god. I have Star Trek pajamas, you guys. So oh. <laughs> they don't seem like they are very cozy. I don't know. You're I feel right. like they are very like, uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel true. like they need they need to be able to move around a bit more. <laughs> and okay. They would be in Savage Fenty sweatsuits, though. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, the Rihanna crossover. There we yeah. go. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Great minds. Um, as the captain, my colors shall be different, of course. And I will mm-hmm. switch them up more than the other crew members get to, you know. Um, I would be a super chill boss that let people get away with stuff probably more than I should, honestly. Um, it's not very captain of you, but I okay. know, but then I'd have someone right under me <laughs> that was more strict, okay? okay? And so they had to be the bad guy because oh. I don't like to enforce rules because well, I don't really like rules that much. You know what <laughs> I mean? So, so if, I have, if I have someone underneath me that does it, then I, it's okay. like, well, what, okay. am I, what am I to do? Yeah, that's, that's what the way says. around it. I you see know? that, yeah. Um, it would be a fabulous gay band. I love it. Uh, so we're diversifying the cast, There of we course, go. you I, know? Yes. Um, I was thinking maybe John Early would play this person. I feel right. like he's a very good villainish character or Julio Torres because he okay. could yeah. he could do like a very Honestly, dry Julio Torres would be great on Star Trek. I know. He'd he be so be good. So good. And I... he's just very dry too, but mm-hmm. it would be hilarious. He could play an android. That was the word I was thinking uh, of. Thank you, android. Uh, android. <laughs> well, our mission would be to find the real Britney Spears. Uh, because rumor has it she was taken by aliens years ago and replaced with this spinny, angry clone of Miss Brit that we currently see really all beautiful, over social media. Honestly, this is actually really fucking beautiful. I know. Yeah. So is that an actual conspiracy too? Yes. Okay. So obviously I'm turning this into a comedy sci-fi, mm. like think search party mm. as a tone. Maybe we even make it a musical. In space, okay? okay. So Britney songs all the way through, and we would have hella guest stars of other big pop stars that would zoom in, you know, like on the televisions and stuff. Yeah, but like yeah. zooming. Yeah. Um, Do you just mean wait? <laughs> Do you just mean like zooming past? No, no, no I mean zooming, zooming in. in. Oh, okay, okay. For like some the reason, camera effect. The only no, thing. no, I'm not meaning that either. I'm talking about zoom, like the camera, like oh. they would be zooming into the ship. Oh, okay. Th- okay. Oh, that's not. Oh, like radioing in, but like oh, you know, whatever screen, they call it on yeah, screen. Yeah. yeah, yeah when yeah. The, okay, they'd we all in. had different versions <laughs> of yes. that ready to go. Yeah. I see. Oh, you did watch some Star Trek. Yeah. yeah, and they would help us talk to different civilians on different planets in our conquest to find the "Oops, I did it again" version of Brittany. Okay. Oh, this is so really fucking. Sweet. We have to go to Mars. Obviously, because that's where she is in the music video. Yeah. Um, and everyone must wear red yeah. jumpsuits yeah. with their like things over their head. 
you know, like the spacesuits, but like red latex instead. And in honor of her, of course. And in order to get the aliens of this planet to trust you, you must perform at least an eight count of Brittany Corio. Okay. Otherwise, they will not understand. I have to say, both of you are very s- similar in your storyline and both of you have like Rick and Morty aspects of, <laughs> of this like the <laughs> the musicality and then the very specific task is very uh, Rick and Morty ridiculousness which oh, yes. I think is great also that's what gets you promoted too mm-hmm. you through amazing performances that go. you must creatively design yourself and are copies of iconic Britney live performances okay. okay okay so the toxic routine doing Ariel off of like uh, a big ass tree coming down aerial routines boom you're a manager you know <laughs> if you can do that well sure <laughs> that's it promoted you wow. know you can uh you can drive the shit bam yeah promoted. yeah yeah that's yeah. it yeah that's, that's all, all it do. takes that's all it takes head of security bam you just oh baby baby i'm talking so about costumes i'm talking about set design i'm talking about everything it has in to be it. the all whole the has to be the whole shebang sure. it'll take you years to come up with this okay? this is starfleet academy that's what that is with, for britney spears yeah, yeah. wow yeah. look at oh, oh my god crossing in crossing we, in this you is know? a show you're right this is a show this is a great star trek episode i love it yeah. This would be a holodeck episode. Should we make a runoff of Star Trek? No. And just all write an episode? <laughs> no, no. That would be no. bad. No this one wants be, that. Well, this could be a holodeck episode, honestly. Like a ho- the holodeck on the on the ship. I don't know if you're familiar. But I was like, a holiday episode? That's what, I, that's what came oh, to my mind. So a holodeck is like where they would go on the ship to do like, it's basically like ultimate virtual reality. So you could... Type in what you want outside and be like, I want to be in a forest being chased by lizard people. And you could go in and it would replicate that. Oh, yeah, I do remember this thing. Yeah, I just so didn't it, remember it was what the it was holodex, Or you could be like, I want to be in a bar in the 1950s and I want to be a Sherlock Holmes. And you could, and it would Ooh. respond that way. And you wouldn't die unless something went wrong. Like you couldn't get hurt. But um, this could be all in a holodeck. Very much, a, very much a Star Trek episode. So since we love to end on a positive note, let's. Hear it for the girls. <laughs> it's a hear segment. it for the girls. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Let's yeah. hear it for the... No, I think it's let's hear it for the boys. Oh, you're right. There you go. Yeah. Let's hear it for the boys. Yeah, that's yeah. it. There let's you go. Let's hear it for the boys. Okay, anyways, enough of us singing. So anyway, let's hear it for the girls is a segment where we, we shout mics. out. <laughs> <laughs> the female identifying people in film and TV that you, the listeners, should know about. Yeah. These are the emerging or maybe slept on creatives that you can support and check out in the future. So, Francis, who are some of these individuals in your life that you're saying let's to that are killing it right now and why? Sure. Um, I think everyone I'm going to mention is already doing very well. Like they're very, I, for me, I feel like they're doing, like they're killing the game. So, I, this is a great shout out. I'm happy to shout them out, but... Um, you know, they are also. But maybe not all the listeners know who they You're are. So now they true. can always have more fans. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Um, I want to shout out uh, Lenny Sanders. Uh, she was my sketch director in New York um, and when I was at Magnet Theater. And that was some of the best comedy writing I've ever done because she was just an incredible director. Um, and we both share the same birthday. Oh, Aries. Yeah, we're both Aries. April 5th, 1990. I was just about to ask when your birthday was. Uh, an Aries, yeah. a fire sign. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. I knew I liked you. <laughs> 
Um, so I want to shout her out. She wrote on uh, Charlemagne the God, I think that's what it was called. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a bit. And then uh, I, th- I don't know what she's on now, but she's uh, somebody I want to shout out because she I always um, admire her and I admire her work and and she's just great at what she does. So Lene, love you. My other uh Twin, fi- twin flame, twin flame, is that what you call yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm gonna shout out Ashley Soto. She is uh, right. She was the writer on Proud Family, and she was my t- um, script writing teacher uh, during COVID. And she's Boricua like me, and she's just kind of been like a hands-off mentor to me somehow. And I really just, I think she's uh, she recently had a a web series premiere and it's very funny um and yeah and i think she uh she's doing great things and i also admire her so at south by southwest and at la Lib, <laughs> yeah at la i was just at yeah oh, which was yeah. recent Chuchi yeah. And yeah that's what it's called yep so. okay so everybody needs to watch that yeah i mean i yeah i don't know where it's she also had a podcast a scripted podcast come out that we oh, can she link did, yep, as that's well true. Mm-hmm. so she's doing a lot of great things I also also know Ashley, and she is amazing, and she teaches at Script Anatomy, which she is where does. you, or she did teach at yes. one point. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I found Script Anatomy because, of co- like, I wouldn't have found it in New York, unfortunately, because of COVID, but um, because they had to go on Zoom during that time, and they're LA-based, um, so they went virtual for COVID, and that's how I found them. Well, well and guess what? If covid would have never happened you would have never taken that class and then you would have never met ashley and then she would have never recommended you for that job and then yeah. you would have never lived here i would have never moved here and then i would have never known you uh, this is we would have known we still would have known each other because we well no if covid you're right we wouldn't have no. known each other yeah that's true francis <laughs> what yeah. are your next endeavors and what can people look out for you oh. and check out of yours in the future good question well i'm going back home to new york um to ride out and also to protest, uh, but write out the rest of the strike. Um, and then I will come back when the strike is over. But I'm going to strike in New York, too, even though I don't really know as many writers. I don't think I know any writers in New York. Well, no, nope, I know one. You'll meet some new people. That's true, fun. too. Um, yeah, but I've heard, like, striking in New York is a lot more hardcore. And I've been softened by the by the donuts and the L.A. strikes and, like, celebrities coming in the L.A. strikes and the, and the sun. and Imagine dragons <laughs> and shit. <laughs> and, now, and now New York's got um, the horrible overcast of burning the smoke. Canadian yeah, fires. fires. So, oh, shit. Yeah, so yeah. it's ominous. But um, I'm going to go back home. I'm hoping to uh, kind of go back to my alma mater uh, theater. Uh, magnet theater and maybe teach a little bit of sketch if not perfor- oh my gosh, perform some sketch that. comedy which was what i did before the pandemic it's that's my that's my bread and butter i'm very excited about this for you this is gonna like unlock all sorts of different joke writing and stuff that you don't normally practice i'm sure here as much yeah i haven't um i haven't done it since the pandemic it, it's been a minute since i've done sketch and i've been itching to do it again it's where my comedy writing comes from, and I and I, I miss that, and I definitely want to. I'm working on my second pilot that I want to submit to fellowships and probably use as another sample. Send it over to assist. <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, that's probably it, unless I get staffed. But after also, the strike. Have, isn't the Lincoln lawyer coming out soon? Oh my God. It's coming out July 6th on Netflix. So, everybody, please watch it, unless, of course, you've canceled your Netflix subscription because you are striking. But if you have not, please watch it. I, yes, watch it. It's great. Um, it's exciting. It's funny. It's it's very well done and thought out. So I heard it's one of the best shows on TV right oh, now. Wow. That's what I heard. <laughs> one of the best hour longs. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wonder who told you that. I don't know. <laughs> Several people have been seeing it, been seeing tweets. Been you seeing know what? All I think I heard stuff. the same. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I heard that showrunner's assistant was really wow. great. Wow. Wow. In this fact, is not how somebody stays humble. I... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to give you another compliment and then I was like yeah. no. well thanks for hanging out with us today yeah this was fun thanks for having me of course yeah. we'll have many more let's stories how do we get here I'm a blank and let's hear for the girls in future episodes along with several other fun filled segments and guests in the meantime make sure to follow us on instagram and tiktok at ocs productions and let us know which segments you adore and even which segments you despise we have much more video content as of late and we want to interact with you guys also i would like to say that it is pride month right now and as a queer individual i think that it is up to you to rate us five stars <laughs> for having you know for pride month if that's you don't it's what you I don't know. That's maybe hate. It, maybe it means you're listen, homophobic. I don't listen, know. Maybe it is, does. I, I agree. That is a hate crime. Yeah. yeah. In, in the month of June? No. Must. You must do it. So, yeah, write us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. And we will ca- You can even mention this. You can say, I'm not homophobic. That's why I'm rating you five stars. That could be the review. I would love that. <laughs> Please make my day. Um, and we will catch you next time for more. She said, let